Welcome to La Ventanita, the Miami Herald Food Podcast. I'm the Miami Herald Food Editor, Carlos Frias, joined every week by my buddy over there, Amy Reyes. Hello, Carlos. Man, hello. I am I am so uh, excited for this time of year. Oh my God. It's so exciting. It's the most wonderful time. It's the time when all of the people who like to eat the crusty critters of the sea get to go bananas. Stone crab season, baby. It's right around the corner. We're literally two days away. So, uh, well, you know, I have my rule about seafood. Like, I don't mess with um with anything that's like in a rocky, shelly thing. You know, like a mussel or an oyster or a. You need it to look more like like actual life, like a life form. You feel better when you're eating something that you know. yeah, if it's you know, not just like pain. not in a rock, I'll eat it. <laughs> yeah, no. But you know no, something, seriously. I will, I'll eat stone a stone crab. crab. I'll eat a stone crab. I'll eat like a stone crab, like a, a little piece. I won't go like bananas, you know, like I, it won't be my whole meal. Like if you give me one claw, I'll eat that and then I'll go on and I'll eat something else. My, my like, favorite thing is just waiting. A, first of all, waiting a couple of weeks, like not not rushing out the day of like I've lived without it for six months. I can mm-hmm. go like another week or two. And then going to like a, I like going to like a, a seafood, like a, 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 like a market, a seafood market. Mm-hmm. There's a, a place by me, uh, Florida Fresh Fisheries, and just getting like a plateful and like me and my kid. There's not all of us love stone crabs, but like my my middle daughter Amelia loves them, and we went out there and just like got like a plate of them, got like fifty, sixty bucks worth of stone crab and and just like lemon and a little dipping sauce, and oh man, it's just. Have the you best. ever seen I people selling them on the side of the street? Yes. Because yes. this is Miami, like I see, it. I see them in Kendall. Been... Yesterday, I was driving up uh, Red Road, and right on the side of the street, there was like a a beautifully painted sign, like on the side of the road that said "Queso Fresco." Like, okay, just like you know, kind of like uh, that will Venezuelan, not make you sick Colombian. at all. No, no, I'm sure that's <laughs> totally fine. But you know what? I bet you it's totally fine. I'm I saying. bet you it's totally fine. I mean, don't send me your doctor bills if you get sick and eat it. But I bet you it's really delicious because like anything homemade, it's probably well, anything really homemade well is either really going to kill you mm-hmm. or it's going to be really great. Like it's right. it's they're, they're selling it because that is their thing that they do well. And everybody right. tells them, oh, tú deberías vender eso. And then they're like, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> OK, I'll do it in la calle. <laughs> That's right. Like my mom makes the best flan and everybody's like, you should sell that flan. And then they're like, then- let's get a truck. <laughs> we'll just. <laughs> Park on, we'll park on Bird Road and 127th Avenue and just, you know, set up shop. Nobody will will care. Going down the rabbit hole. Just, oh my God, Carlos, our fan is here. Yes. Let's give a shout out. Let's give a shout out to Vanessa (laughs) Bud. Give a shout out to Vanessa. She is our biggest fan. Not only has she, I think, listened to every episode that we've done since we started broadcasting a little, a little over six months ago. Uh, she, uh, she stays for the whole thing. Like the she leaves it thing. on in the background. Like my husband won't even listen to the whole thing. You know, Vanessa, we appreciate you. We, we see appreciate you, you, Vanessa. And we appreciate you. <laughs> hey, we love we, our fan. Can, I know that we, you know, we, we were talking about, um, stone crabs and such, but can we talk for a minute about our, um, our friends on the West coast, on the left coast of Florida? Uh, I know we, we talked a little bit about it, you know, Hurricane Ian, Struck over there, and and folks are. Um, there has been a severe loss of life. I think it's accounts over a hundred now. It's like one fifteen, um, and lesser down the scale, but also still important are are people who who've lost their livelihoods. And um, our our colleague Howard Cohen wrote this um, this really interesting, moving story about uh, the Lighthouse Cafe, which a lot of folks know on Sanibel Island. 
you know, uh, it's been there for, it's been there since the 50, no, I'm sorry. It's been, I think maybe since the 50s. I know his family's owned it since 84. Uh, so it's been in the family for almost 40 years. Right. Uh, the gentleman who owns it. And there's these incredible pictures of just where the water came in. And it's the water, I think it went up something like, uh, something like six feet in height. Like you can see it on their, on your menu board, how high mm-hmm. the water went. Yikes. And, um, and it's, you know, it's, uh, from what I, from what I've read, folks have really lined up to help. They've, uh, folks have come out to literally put in sweat equity and clean it out. And, uh, and like a lot of folks are going to stay. And I, I want to say that there's a, a GoFundMe started over there. So, you know, folks, you know, that's what you realize that it's not, it's obviously the loss of life is, is incalculable, right? Um, but then the, there are other things where people who make their whole lives and their whole livelihoods in this area um, are affected. Yeah. And Lighthouse Cafe is one of those places that like, if you go to Sanibel, you're going to go there. It's, it's right. iconic in a way. It's just kind of like part of the, you know, just part of the, the, the matrix, just part of the tapestry. Like when you go to, to Sanibel that you're going to end up there at one point. I have a picture of myself, um, with my daughter when she was like four and I was pregnant hanging out at the light ca- lighthouse cafe. And like, you know, it's one of those places you just, you have to go to it. And I'm hoping that they can rebuild and come back better because, you know, Sanibel is a beautiful place to go and everybody in South Florida loves to, you know, escape there. So yeah, we're all rooting for very, them. It's very Versailles like it's very iconic. So we're, we're wishing them the best. Uh, and I know that they have a GoFundMe page. So I think if you go to GoFundMe and you search Lighthouse Cafe, you'll find that uh, and see how they're doing. I think they were over their goal, but, uh, you know, when you're rebuilding a whole restaurant, I guess every little bit helps. Yeah, those pictures look made it look like, you know, they, they got was, a lot of work to was, do. It was significant. Can I say that, though, this weekend, uh, to celebrate my cousin's birthday, uh, my cousin Julio, so happy belated uh, to my cousin Julio. Uh, we We're about to talk debuted. about the panchita, aren't we? We're about yes, to talk we about- are. <laughs> We're about to talk about the yes, planchita. Yes, we are. <laughs> we debuted La Planchita. Now, I think the episode wouldn't be, like, our show wouldn't be complete unless I brought it up in one way or another, because, like, you talk about your children. Uh, La Planchita, we, we, we used it for the first time, and Amy- to, to quote that uh, Johnny Cochran character from Seinfeld, it is real and it is spectacular. Oh, my I mean, God. <laughs> it not only looks wonderful, it, it works exactly how you expect a commercial press to work. Okay, so here's like, the planchita again for anybody who may have missed it. It is right. shiny. It is chromey. And then it's got some gold-ish accents. And it is... Everything that Carlos could ever want in a plancha. And it's like, it's one thing to look good, but you know what? It really, it just performed, man. Like, we, Okay, well, tell me we, what you made. Please go on. Right. I need some details. So if you, if you're watching the show, you can see it on the screen. Like it's, it's sort of my, it's my, my, my let's call it a flagami sandwich because it's not okay. a Cuban sandwich. We'll call it the flagami. And, uh, we'll call it the flagami sandwich. So what is, it's sweet ham. It's smoked ham that I got from um, Babe's Meat Encounter down in uh, in uh, uh, Palmetto Bay. Did you go um, gathering ingredients for the sandwich? Did you go on I, a journey? I was. I was like, I was foraging for meat. Oh, my God. You did a whole journey to make this sandwich. Okay, continue. You and went to Babe's meat, meat Encounter. I went to Babe's Meat Encounter where I got also two kinds of mustard. They have like a... A really horseradishy, spicy mustard, and then a sweet um, grain mustard. So that both went into a sauce that I made for it. Uh, that's got also got mayo and um, uh, a, a little ketchup and a little prepared horseradish, and chopped up, di- uh, diced up 
onions and pickles. And then I added, it's got chorizo, it's got salami, it's got roasted pork from uh, from El Palacio de los Jugos. Uh, I made a little well, home. This is your second destination. Yes. So my second destination then, Palacio de los Jugos, to get roast pork. Um, and then I go down the street to Pinocho Bakery, and I got two loaves of Cuban bread for a whopping total of $3, which is insane. Uh, and then I came home and made a mojo for the pork inside the sandwich. So I put, I stacked and layered those things, put it at a 350-degree planchita, pressed that down with butter on both ends. Amy, I was, I was in heaven, really speechless, really speechless. Wow. I just, it did really well. I was very happy with it. I encourage everyone to follow your dreams. If your dream <laughs> is to make dreams come true, a ridiculous planchita uh, that uh, that that you can enjoy making sandwiches. Do that. If it's some other crazy thing, do the crazy thing that everyone says you're crazy about. So, enjoy yeah, it. I, I really i I have to agree. This was crazy, and it <laughs> it is actually something that makes you happy and brings you joy. So. So I'm what can I say? I can't. I can't make too much fun of you. You did go to four different stores or three different stores to make a sandwich, but I mean, that brought you joy. It really did. It really. Yeah, people did. make I fun regret. of me for getting up and like riding my bike in the morning. So I mean, if if you need to drive around all over Miami so that you can like honor your planchita with the proper ingredients, that is your truth. <laughs> yeah. Listen, you fitness, and I'm fitness in my mouth. Uh-huh. Fitness in so. your mouth. Right. Fitness okay. Well, I just want to know when I get some of that because I want some sandwich for me. Well, it won't be this weekend because I'll be at the at the Florida LSU game, uh, driving up to see my to watch a game at Florida for the first time since I graduated uh, as a like as a fan since I graduated uh, more than twenty years ago, more than thirty oh, years damn. ago. I have no idea. I can't do the math anymore. Uh, so I'll be doing that and uh, and watching it with my kid. How weird is that? Oh, that's I'm very weird. With my daughter, that'll be really yeah. strange. I went to a University of Michigan um, football game once with my parents, and I was so hungover. It was very embarrassing. That's super embarrassing. Come on. Very, very, very embarrassing. Listen, well, my kid is 19, so I can't I can't say what we will and won't allow her to do. But we're going to stay within the law. Let's say that. Well, I'm saying you law. don't know what they're up there doing. No, I, I don't. I don't want to know. They're, that's why they're away, because you don't want to know. I don't want to know. Go be an adult. Go be yes. an adult and uh, don't hesitate to call if you need help. Really, that's... <laughs> Please, yeah, don't do anything stupid. <laughs> yes, I told my I told my daughter she's like she's like because I worry about her, you know, because you know she's she's studying a really uh, intense field. She wants to go into medicine, and you know she's on the dean's list, all that stuff. But she always sounds really, really stressed out. And I always say, you know, make some time for yourself. And she goes, "Don't worry, Dad. I I work hard, but I play hard." And I was like. That's Don't good. Don't tell me that. <laughs> as long as it doesn't involve the authorities, yes. I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. So listen, uh, I'm. I think the whole reason we're on today is to talk about stone crab season. So I'm really excited to it. talk to our guest today. Mm-hmm. And our our guest today is Stephen Sowitz. Uh, you should know that the man behind Joe Stone Crab is actually a Stephen. Uh, Stephen is the great grandson of Joe Weiss, who founded the Miami Beach restaurant in 1913. Four generations of his family have steered it into iconic status. And now it's Stephen's turn. Uh, he's the latest steward of Joe's Stone Crab. So I want to talk to Stephen about what it's like to know your whole life that you're going to be handed the reins to a restaurant, an institution, really, uh, that'll be part of your own legacy. Because Joe's isn't just a restaurant. It's the most popular and visible endpoint 
for an entire industry, the st- stone crab trapping, which props up a huge part of the Florida economy. Uh, Joe, Joe's even has its own, um, uh, its, its own fishing fleet. Uh, and that industry uh, takes a beating every time a hurricane like Hurricane Ivan devastates the Florida coast. Um, but Stephen's been through this and more already. Uh, they've already overcome hurricanes. Uh, and he's kept goes, Joe's going through COVID by turning the genteel dining experience into an outdoor affair. It's not an easy task for a restaurant that prides itself on a refined uh, white linen tablecloth service. Um, so let's talk to Stephen about all things Joe. Welcome to Stephen. We have we have sound troubles. Pierre, you want to put him backstage and then we'll banter a little bit till we have Stephen going? Yeah, we'll just banter oh. a little bit. And then when Bummer. we get him back in, we'll just pop him right in. And that's fine. Yeah. All right. Um, well, then let's talk about the other thing that we were talk- going to talk about. Out there in uh, uh, on um, uh, Miller Road, there's this this shack that looks like it's a hunting lodge, and yes, I, and it's been like a couple things, and it's never open for a long term. But now it's it's going to be a restaurant called Love Story. Uh, it's like it's a like, wine bar that has yes. really gone hard for the like. Let's create an insta- Instagrammable moment. Like they have all of these different corners inside of it that look like it's uh, that look like it's it, you know go take a picture there. You're here to take a beautiful picture. Like they have like yes. this phone booth with all these flowers coming out and stuff. Very fans. And it's all like rom-com related. It's like yes, a rom-com. Their, their menu is very, very rom-com related. Yeah. Like they have the careless whisper tuna tartare. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the I can't fight this feeling anymore salmon. <laughs> that rolls off the tongue. These, these are good names for, for meals. <laughs> and if you go there, you have to have for dessert. The Magic Churro. Make your own joke here, Magic Dude, Mike fans. I need Magic Churros in my life. I, I Listen, that's that's a problem for you and Tony to work out. <laughs> you want to try Steven again? Let's All right, bring Steven him back. Again. Hey, Steven. Oh, no. He's still muted. He's still muted. He's not. We, we, can't, we, don't, got it. we don't got it together. I'm crying. I'm we'll try crying. We'll try it again. Amy, where did you eat last week? Oh, last week my kid was sick. I couldn't. But this oh, week, no. tonight, tonight I'm going out. Um, I'm going out. Can you out. hear me now? <gasps> oh, yes, we can hear is. you. We can hear you perfectly, Stephen. Oh, Good you morning. have to tell us what what she did. What miraculous button did she push? Unmute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. You know Something what? There's one of those. It's okay. It's right. This is one of those Find things. A little that, drama. That throughout the pandemic, none of us has f- have figured out, <laughs> and we still will never figure out, and that's nope. fine. It'll be one yeah. of those things that we leave sure. that is unexplained, like Area fifty, Area fifty one. Is it like it'll just be unexplained why why <laughs> we couldn't figure that out? Right, uh, Stephen. Well, thanks again for having us. So you have to, we have to start by telling us about the amazing about page on Joe's Stone Crab's website. It is uh, which a work is, of art. It is hilariously honest poetry. It is folksy history of Joe's that includes this line about your grandfather, Jesse Weiss. Quote, he was a scoundrel, a womanizer to the hundredth degree, a gambler. But everyone who came to Joe's wanted to see Jesse. (laughs) That's just it's poetry. That's just the half of it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, He was married seven times. My grandfather. Uh, A glutton for punishment. He. One of the most amazing people I ever knew. Um, when I was a kid, I didn't know anything like that. You know, I just looked at him. He was, we called him Papa. Um, my sister and I adored him. 
my mom and dad adored him. Uh, my grandmother, of course, she was number five and number seven, but a very important you know, person in our lives, too. She worshipped him, too. Wait, your and grandma was number five and, and number seven. seven. Right. So they got married, married divorced, then remarried. Right. Correct. And there was a wife in between. Correct. Right. <laughs> That's I, such an amazing story. Et you know, oh my God, maybe. I, I mean, there might have been more. I don't know. But um, he was... They, you know, they have you ever heard of the character uh, Damon Runyon, like a Damon Runyon character? That's what he was. He was he was a character and he lived life the way he wanted to. Nobody scripted his life. He really lived an outrageous life. I mean, he when the first time I went on an airplane was with him, I was four years old and he came to over to our house. And he asked my mom uh, if he could just take me to lunch. And she said, sure. Well, he, we flew to Nassau for lunch from Miami. <laughs> oh, my God. And she didn't know where I was. I was happy. You know, I was on an airplane for the first time with the propellers, Eastern Airlines, you know, back in the day. We had lunch. And I think he gambled a little bit. And then we at the airport. And then we came back later that day. And my mom didn't know where I was or my grandfather but nothing should surprise her because she grew <laughs> up with this. Yep. I mean, he was, he gambled. I'll give you an idea. Across the street from Joe's, there's a building, several buildings, the Apogee, uh, Portofino, and South Point Tower. There used to be a dog track, a kennel, you know, racing track across the street and a mm -hmm. huge parking lot where those buildings stand. His parents, Joe and Jenny, earned enough money to buy that land so that they could have it for the Joe's, you know, parking or whatever. They were just thinking ahead. And they made one little fatal mistake. They gave him the cash to take to the closing. Oh, no. Don't. Don't. It's like, oh, go buy no. a cow. And he came back with magic beans. Oh, he came back with magic beans. He went to Hialeah Racetrack. Oh, my God. And lost oh, it no. all. He bet the they, pups. My God. He bet it all. Now, years later, like 70 plus years later, Senator Ted Kennedy walks into the restaurant and he said, I used to come here with my father. My father used to, you know, whatever. And he used to own highly a racetrack. And I looked at him and said, Oh, so we put you through college. <laughs> I mean, this guy, I couldn't believe it. The history just came back and bounced, you know, bounced back at him. It was funny. That Now, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was reading on the website that, that uh, you know, even though Joe's opened in 1913, it wasn't until 1921 that people, that was it Jesse or Joe? That no, it was decided Joe. That he got a, what's the word? He got some kind of a, and Ichthy, yeah, okay. yes, Amy, Amy was betting that you wouldn't be able to say that word. I was word. like, make so, him say that word. Oh, in your boy. face, in your face, oh, Amy no, I was raised with that word. <laughs> um, a marine biologist, also, I guess, known as an ichthyologist. Ichthyologist. And this professor from Harvard was studying the marine life in Biscayne Bay. And he came across these crabs that kids were playing with and poking and, you know, taunting in the water. So he caught some and brought them over to the only one of the few restaurants on Miami beach. 
and gave them to my great-grandfather Joe, who it's you know, it you know, it picked his curiosity. So he started to play, you know, cook them and see if they were edible. And he found out that these rocky shelly things that Amy <laughs> referred to, they were edible and they tasted much better cold. Now the thing, here's the secret. If you go down to the Keys, for instance, or Everglades City, and you watch them cook them as they, you know, as right after they're caught, you can eat them hot then. But once you chill them and put them on ice and send them to Joe's, for instance, and eat them, don't reheat them. Okay. Eat them cold. But if you eat them out of the, the original boiling water where you cook them, they're going to be fantastic. Otherwise, when they're chilled, you may want to use, I don't know how this comes up, but you'll use the mustard sauce. Mustard sauce. And then maybe finish off your meal with a slice <laughs> of key lime pie. Yeah. You came props. prepared. Oh, yeah, I came prepared. I could even do the, the whipped cream for you. <laughs> yes. But do this it. Is, this is from yes. the can. You know. You know what? I'll I'm, take that I'm on a little keto, right so forget it. Uh-oh. Well, you yeah, can eat the works. crab. You can eat the the crab claws then. Absolutely keto friendly, um, but I'm not going to cheat. I'm going to I'm going to give them back <laughs> to myself later. Yeah. So so it was it's perfectly perfectly American scientific to come down and be like, let's study these crabs first things first. Let's boil it. <laughs> let's eat it. Can we eat it? Now, but they found out years later that the crab body, it, there was no meat in the crab body really edible meat on, on these particular kinds of crabs. So they, I, they found out that if you just remove the claws and throw the body back in the water and you do it properly, the crab will survive and regrow new claws. They call that like regeneration. Is that how farming happens or no? Is that uh, like how well, they're not farm or is that how the fishing or the trapping happens that, or no that is that's part of the the, the the crab claws are removed on the boat on the fishing vessel and then the crab bodies are are thrown back into the in, into the water where hopefully they'll regenerate and then end up in a trap again and the cycle continues interesting it's, it's a little bit of uh it's a little bit of um you know the, the folks who are who make a living out of this understand that like yeah you could take both claws most in most cases they only take one if i'm not mistaken right and uh, well they can take two but it's under certain circumstances yeah there's certain circumstances yeah it's the idea that like hey listen if i make this thing viable if i make this little creature viable to come back next year you know or, or two or three years from now that's yeah. going to be better for me in the long term than me just you know uh, um, kind of thinking in a very short term kind of way um True. Why, why is the season, um, why is it from October to, to, was it April? Like, what is it about that time of year that makes them best to catch? Is that they come closer to shore or like, what is the, what's the idea? Well, there were two reasons, I think. Uh, one of them was that the, well, there, there was legislation that was uh, promoted and lobbied by my grandfather because business dropped off back in the day uh, from, May, June, July, August, you know, September. So why, why fish when, when business dropped off and Joe's it would be a waste, very, right? very slow. The other, yes. The other important thing, though, was that the spawning season begins in early May. 
Okay. So they wanted the females to have a better chance at creating smaller stone crab babies. So that was the reason why they said, let's pause and give them the, the, the spawning stone crabs a chance to, to recreate. So what happens to people who don't, who don't um, follow the rules? Is, what are the consequences for like not following the rules of stone crab season? Uh, heavy fines, possibly <clears throat> jail. You know, you're not even allowed to bring a stone crab on the land. They must be thrown back into the water and kept in, around the water. Uh, if, you, if you land a stone crab, severe penalties, very, very costly, possibly jail time. I don't, I don't believe anybody really has or been caught doing it. Um, I had to do it one time down at Sea Camp in Big Pine Key, Florida, when I was a kid. And I had to have special permission from the Department of uh, you know, Natural Resources to do that, uh, a real document. And uh, we put them in tanks down there. But, I was going to uh, say, you, what you, happens at Sea Camp? That that's like Florida's <laughs> version of Space Camp. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. I went down there in the uh, early seventies, nineteen, I think seventy-one and seventy-two, and spent about eight or nine weeks down there. It was wonderful. You know, you get certified. They have marine biology courses, lots of aquariums, and scuba and skin diving. It's a lot of fun. Steven, did you always know that you were going to go into this family business? Like, was it always? Because I know it, that is always the big thing with, with especially restaurants, but any business really is, will the next generation be interested in doing this thing that our family is known for? Did you always know that you were going to do that? Well, yes and no. Um, how do I put this? Uh, Joe's was uh, one of the few things that I was, that's one of it, Joe's was a place that was not just, a place of business. Joe's was family to me. My grandparents lived upstairs as a child. I mean, when I was a kid, I used to go upstairs and hang out with them. And when I got older and my mom grew up upstairs when she was a child, she was, you know, she was born uh, in Miami. So I was always here on the weekends. My sister and I were here on the weekends when I was a kid, like my daughter is now. Um, She's here more often than I was, but you know it's up to her. Now, when I was a kid, I had to work in the kitchen. I got to know everybody that had been here for years before I got here. You know, they they were family. Um, the people that worked behind the stoves, they they were household names. Um, and I was more of a kitchen person earlier in my life. I didn't go out in the dining room that often. It's not like well, my parents didn't keep me from going out there, but I just <laughs> changed yeah, the to kitchen. the kitchen. <laughs> changed you me to the kitchen. those crabs, boy. <laughs> but, but it was, you know, I was told if you want to buy a bicycle, you get to work for your money. And so when I got a car and my parents bought me a 1969 Pontiac Le Mans in 1972, and it wasn't, oh, gee, we want to give you a car. They just did, or 73. They, they just didn't want me to keep driving from my house. You know, they didn't want to keep carpooling to ransom from Miami Shores. That's where I went to high school. So they wanted, it, the car was practical for them, not just mm-hmm. me. Uh-huh. And so I had to pay for gas. So I had to work on the weekends. And I was just working here all the time. And I loved it. Um, 
I, I love the responsibility. I, I grew up, there were some younger people in the kitchen that were like part of family. You know, they were how, again, Paulie Wilson, who made the key lime pie and the uh, hash browns at night, his sons, Steve and Paul Wilson Jr. worked at Joe's too. So we were a team. And then when I got graduated from college uh, and we opened for um, we opened for lunch in November of 1979, Steve and Paul Wilson were part of that team as well. So, so 1979, you kind of took over. No, that's what I was just going to ask. Is that when you. Well, it wasn't a takeover. Right. Of um, course. It was. Um, a grooming process. Uh, I went to a hotel restaurant school in the at Cornell uh, from 1975 to 1979. Cornell, um, it's gorgeous. Isn't that it's the a same? beautiful? Yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, the yeah, gorgeous. There's lots of gorges in. Yeah, Cornell. I. It, it is a beautiful campus, and there are gorges for sure. And it is gorgeous. Um, it's except when it rains, which is often. Too. Yeah, it's, and, and uh, in the in the winter when it's brutally cold and bleak. But <laughs> I'm sure you were you were glad to <laughs> sure you get loved there all four and, years. And come back to Jersey, yeah, my, South Miami. Florida. Miami prepared me very well for upstate New I'm York. Sure. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, uh, the North Face did, but uh, wow, that was that was brutal. The weather was brutal. <laughs> so you get <laughs> that's back why when down I was here, reading. When I was reading on the website about how they told Joe to come down because he had a breathing issue and he was like, I need to come for my asthma. I was like, right. that sounds like that, that sounds, sounds like, like a story. <laughs> that sounds like a story. Cause there's yeah. probably some smog or something. I don't know. But New York back then, who knows? That was in the early 1900s. Right. Um, but doctors used to recommend cities to move to. They didn't necessarily have the medication. They oh had geographical God. cures back then. Well, I remember if you ever go do the tour at Vizcaya, they tell you the whole story about how, how, um, Charles Deering was recommended to come to Miami because of his, I don't know, his vapors. He had like rheumatism or something that he needed to take baths in salt water or something like that. So his lumbago, yeah. he had the lumbago. <laughs> I don't sure. know what yeah, that so is. medicine was weird back then. But yeah. since you you guys have been you guys have been on South Beach for so long, like what can you tell us about the evolution of of South Beach as a destination? Like what what were the highs and what were the lows of of being just an institution that's just witnessed everything going on around it. Wow. What were the highs and lows? Well, let's see. Let's talk about the lows first and we'll end on a positive note. Okay. okay that's a good, a yes, good plan. Good strategy. Okay. So the lows were pre-air conditioning, lots of mosquitoes and crazy little things running around and tourists would flee Miami beach during the summer months. Okay. Because of the bugs and the reptiles. Okay. That's number one. And it was swampy and, you know, no air conditioning. Um, then, of course, we had World War I and the, the Great Depression and on and on World War II and the Korean War and, you know, recessions and, of course, the pandemic we had. And we also had back in the <clears throat> late 70s, early 80s, the Mariel uh, boat lift, which really flooded Miami and South Beach in particular with a lot of, you know, Cuba's finest, you know, Castro opened up his prisons and many of those people ended up on South Beach. 
And so South Beach at that point, up until that point, much of it was a geriatric ghetto. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's funny because it's funny you mentioned that I had some cousins that came over during the Mario boat lift. And so we would come visit them and they were these older kind of tenement buildings, tenement uh, apartments. And it was like uh, it was like you said, it was mostly old folks and parts of it were really run down. It's funny because we just saw Scarface the other day and it's, yeah. it's re- it really is representative of what that part of South Beach looked like. It was very it was very kind of like old timey Florida kind of run down. And it's, it's interesting. True. That, and it's interesting that Joe's was was still this this kind of more elevated place to go in the middle of in the middle of all that. Did did the feel of Joe's change at all to what cause now it's very refined? I mean, you go there really just to have a beautiful night out, right? It was it always did it always have that feel? Or did like did it go during the Jesse era from a more like Rough like and tumble shack. kind of place into what it is <laughs> yeah. now because I have no I have no reference point for something like that in that. Well, I think that Joe's has evolved into what it all what it could have been. It, you know, in other words, I think vision helped propel Joe's, um, and that's why we're still here. I don't think we would still be here if we did not evolve in a proper, slow, methodical, careful way. Um, we didn't change course quickly, really. You know, we, we very, you know, there was a lot of uh, contemplation. Uh, my mom was very instrumental in that. For instance, my mother and grandmother always believed that it was a good idea to buy as many parcels of property around the restaurant. These were old, old homes that we used to use, cottages that we used to use for storage of documents and old equipment. Well, now we have a bigger restaurant because of that. Right. That was just, it was intuition. It was self, you know, like a defensive move to protect Joe's. Um, nobody, I mean, the South Beach Redevelopment Agency, I don't know if you remember that, but that was in the late 70s, early 80s where there was a vision created by uh, the, the redevelopment agency and the architects. They took this area south of 5th, which was South Beach. Mm-hmm. South Beach was not north of 5th Street. South Beach was from 5th Street to 4th Street all the way down to Government Cut. Yep. That's interesting. Vision. I never I never knew that. I thought South Beach was actually from 5th Street to 13th Street. Like I thought the Ocean Drive oh, area. Yeah. Pen, right. I grew up with South Beach being Penrods, basically, right? Which is just up exactly. the road, which is now is now Nikki Beach, right? Or is that what? Yes. That is? Yeah, yeah, that's what yeah. they call yes. it. Yes, yes. And yep. so that was South Beach. That, so when you, if you do, you remember when? Let's see, Ocean Drive, Scarface, for instance. Okay, on Ocean Drive, there was there was that scene. I couldn't even watch it. I had to put. Oh my, yeah, it's bad. With the, with the chainsaw. The chainsaw. I was like, yeah, I almost, yeah. it's terrifying. I almost, I almost left. The movie theater at that oh, no. scene. I just don't have a stomach for that. But that movie and Christo the artist, remember when they wrapped the islands with pink? Yes. And then Miami yeah. Vice came. Remember Miami Vice? This was all happening in Art Deco and Barbara Capitman. And these great old buildings were getting painted. And all of a sudden, we have this beautiful architectural gem on Ocean Drive. And she protected so many buildings that could have been torn down. Um, so people had vision. They had the luck of the law because they had federal law protecting these buildings. 
And then you had the modeling agencies coming down. And Michelle Pommier was the first modeling agency to come to Miami Beach. She beat Eileen Ford. I mean, she was way ahead of her time. But Joe's always stayed true to itself. Uh, we always had a policeman out front, you know, that was, Joe's was protected. Joe's was nurtured because it, I think because it's a family business, there was heritage and we just believed in ourselves and we believed in the community. And that one day that Joe's after buying that land, it would pay off. And it did pay off because we have our own parking. We have our own, we're very independent. We have parking on the east side. We have parking on the west side. We have a takeaway on the north side. We have parking above that. We've grown slowly and methodically. And our customers help grow us. Our customers help grow us. That's, Steven, a, that's so, an important point. Exactly. And so like like the, that customer experience is so is such a it's such a unique part of Miami, right? Like like the the open secret is that you have to tip the wet the the captain the head waiter to get a good table like that's the uh, yeah don't squirm it's an open secret steve everybody knows it <laughs> so like what is a what is a good tip to get a good table a good tip to get a good table is to get here at five o'clock all right <laughs> okay yeah. no here's the thing fair enough um no uh, i think first of all i i think it's you know if you want to tip this the maitre d on the way out on the way out, mm-hmm. that's up. That's between you and the maitre d' and okay? God and God. God, right? And I think um, you don't have to. I mean, there's always the takeaway, um, but we, the family, did not institute the tipping policy. <laughs> obviously, I mean, that's I lo- but that I kind of, love, that's a very Miami that Miami thing I, to do. Yes, it, it I love that part of it because it's it's a little bit like if you know, you know. You know, yeah. like, and and honestly, if you're going to this place, that's really a singular experience and you want, you almost want to give back and make sure that thing, that feel, that place is still around, you know, and it's, and it's more than just paying your bill at the end. Like it's, you know, you want to be a part of the experience. It's a little bit like the speakeasy. Like mm-hmm. that's right. the thing that you got to know. So it's open true. Story. It's very true. Um, I, I can tell you that there are regulars that. That, that have been coming for years and either they do or they don't pass a, a you know, gratuity to, to the maitre d' or the seating captains. Um, they have other ways of showing their gratitude. Uh, one of them is, Oh, please yeah. tell us. Man. <laughs> it's how a about, family show. How about front row tickets to Frank Sinatra in the day or tickets to concerts or golfing privileges at oh, LaGorse Country Club? I'm just oh, saying. That it is good like, to be a captain at Joe's. It oh, is you know good what? To be a captain at Joe's. How about Hard a bag work. of mangoes from Kendall? Ooh, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> that, you know what? I, they would not turn that down. I'm sure they would wouldn't love, turn that down. I would love to see the cataloging of the things that the that the captain has offered throughout the time. Like besides, you know, money money is so is so passe, but things like that I find <laughs> incredibly. <laughs> You know, another like if you know, you know, thing about Joe's that everybody, <clears throat> everybody who knows points this out. It's don't sleep on the fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Everybody tells me, you know, it, you can go for the the stone crabs and everything. But the fried chicken is really, really, really worth, you know, worth the the, the try. Don't don't just go there for 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 claws. The fr- 
it's vale la pena. Yep. And like yeah, no, the, the fried fr- chicken's great. The fried chicken's like, and also 15 bucks is the takeaway window. You go there, like that's, isn't that right? Oh, uh, how about eight ninety five? Oh, eight ninety five. Is it nine dollars? Fried chicken. Nine dollars yeah. for half a fried chicken. That's I, I forget. I, maybe it's because I was thinking. Maybe I've gotten two halves at some point, and I was thinking fifteen. But that be. is like nine bucks, and it's the crispiest fried oh. chicken you can get. It's really, it's really perfect. We hey, pride Steven, ourselves on that. Yeah. Is there another Joe? Like I've been in Chicago, and I've seen the Joe's, a Joe's stone crab. Like, and I was like, what is the relation to this to the Joe's in Miami? Oh, great question. Um, there is a relation. Um, we, we created a, like a partnership between us and a wonderful restaurant group in Chicago, out of Chicago and based in Chicago called let us entertain you. And the chairman founder is a a gentleman by the name of Richard Melman, M E L M A N or M E L no M E L M A N. And he's been in the restaurant business since the 1970s and we entered into a license agreement with them. Uh, they are the licensee. We are the licensor. And we are also partners in that restaurant. And they are like cousins of us. Their name is not Joe Stone Crab. Literally, they'll answer the phones, hello, Joe's, or hello, Joe Stone Crab. But their, their real name is Joe's Seafood Prime Steak and Stone Crab. And the reason they don't prioritize the name stone crab is sometimes during shortages, they may not have them or they'll be limited in what they can get because the mothership where I'm sitting right now with the name right behind me, you know, Joe's. You guys the get mothership. the crabs. We do. And they know that. They know that. <laughs> they'll get whatever you want to send them. They know right. who's number one. They know. They who's know. The top, and they're the very, res- they're, they're very respectful. They understand that. And, those three restaurants are in the top 20 highest grossing restaurants with us being in the top as well. Um, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying that that's, that's the reality of it. Um, they run a great operation. It's a testament to our name. It's a testament to the brand that we created here and the te- a testament to their ability to run restaurants extremely well. I mean, I think there's, uh, there's something to be said for a restaurant that's, I mean, you guys are technically open, open, six months out of the year and a little you, bit longer, but that's a little bit yeah. longer than that. And yeah. you have like a $40 million revenue from what I was reading. I mean, like it's a, it is a, a, a monster of an operation. It is like a, a truly monster of an operation to be, to basically take the summers off because that's when there's no stone crabs and say like, th- we're just going to make this our thing. Like we're not going to do steak in the summer. We're just, right. you know, we're just going to close and we're going to stick with stone crabs. And, and I think that's part of what makes it iconic is that you can't always get Joe's. But you can't always get what you want, right? Um, That's right. Here's the thing. We have expanded. You know, we were talking about um, vision and had, did Joe's change and what, what's happened in the evol- evolution. We have opened a takeaway that's a bona fide business and a shipping business, which is a its own. Now, when you collectively add the dining room, lunch and dinner, plus takeaway and shipping, you reach that $40 million number okay so it's not just dining room that helped get us there there's all there's other moving parts to the equation and so um, the the original gold belly is the basically oh yeah yeah Yeah, we are 
because you guys yeah. you guys have been you guys have your own um trapping operation right like that's yeah. that's part of the secret is like you guys have your own boats and i think you you had a, like a big facility in southwest florida right and and in the yeah. keys uh yes. two facilities um so i think that's a big part of it like it's not just like hey op- uh, open the door to the restaurant and start selling you know crab claws true we we opened up our first fishery that we that's owned by the family back in 1967 and we opened it by you know we had to buy land we had to gain fishermen we had to build buildings we had to you know process our own crabs versus buying them from the outside world um so we built relationships we built um a facility we built uh vertical integration and then about five years later, four years later, we also bought another fishery very close to the area or actually in the area where uh, Hurricane Ian hit. And so we had to, um, you know, one was in Chukalusky and then we moved it to Everglades City. So we're talking over 50 years um, between uh, combined. It's over 100 years of fishery operation in the two locations between 1967 and 1972. How, how did the hurricane affect you guys? And your uh, The West Coast uh, operation in Everglades City was uh, before the traps were even thrown in the water. The boats had to move down the river or up the river to, to get away from the, the storm surge. Um, the, so the crabs were on land. They're fine. They were tied down. The fishery had some minor problems we lost a truck uh due to the uh, storm surge and we let's see uh we lost a forklift so replacing a a truck's not as easy as you think just because there's such a shortage of vehicles right now but we did it right you mentioned and this is something that a lot of folks know is just like the process of the crabs right like that the 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 claws are actually boiled on site like they're caught and boiled immediately at your facility and then they're they're trucked over iced now right. the the thing that I find interesting is that stone crab season opens on the fifteenth, so you technically can't go harvesting until midnight of the fifteenth. So the couple of days before, not just at Joe's but at other places, you'll get you'll have access to frozen claws like for that have been frozen cryogenically sure. frozen over the summer, and then you can have them. Can you tell the difference between claws that have been frozen and stuff that's got boiled earlier that day? Um. I, yes, I can. However, there's a big difference between a a really well-frozen claw and a not-so-well-frozen claw. Hmm. Versus frozen in my freezer versus whatever. How do you guys do it? Well, if you freeze them the day they're caught, within hours of having been caught and cooked, first you got to cook them. If you freeze them right away, they have a much and glaze them. They have a much longer shelf life and a fresher taste because you've locked in the flavor and the integrity of the stone crab before it had a chance to degenerate. Right? Okay, right. so it's not breaking down. So you got to freeze them in super cold, you know, conditions, and then you, you know, then the next day we glaze them. Okay. What does and that then, mean? Glazing is dropping a frozen claw into an ice bath. What you see football players sitting in, not the same one. Oh, that's but so funny. Those, those ice <laughs> well, they baths, just, you know? You just double up with the dolphins. Just like get in there with like <laughs> two of his ice in his arm and then you know, just throw in some 
throwing some stone crabs. Swim with the dolphins, right? <laughs> you sleep with the stone crabs. <laughs> right. Ew. So, Steven, so you mentioned- You got to charge more for those. That like a little, if you know, you know, is like if you can have them freshly out of the boiler. So like if I was Joe Blow and I would love to have that experience, like how could I go about doing that? Where do you need to be like yeah, physically? Where do I to need be? to do that? Is there a way that I can do that? Like can, can someone sure. do that? How, how do you do that? You got to call me. <laughs> and then, and then, this is well, like tipping take it down to the boat, <laughs> or, or call the major D. <laughs> Have no, two tickets we, to Sinatra ready, <laughs> right? That's, that's I got my mangoes, please. Yeah. I want some the, fresh claws. The gratuity to the major D gets you a front row center seat at the boiling and red, like the Krispy Kreme red light. You get the stone crab red light, and when they come out of the water, actually, if you go down to the fishery, I can arrange that. Easily, Interesting. I'll I'll meet you there. I haven't done it in decades. Have you? Have, but that that uh, you haven't had. Wait, a but do you put the mustard for... on it still? No, you don't need to. Oh. There's no need for mustard when you take it directly out of the hot boiling water. Because it's like it's like boiled in like salty water, right? Like so, it's like you have all that. Um, you know what? We boil in fresh water between okay. the two, but there are crabs that we don't like that are boiled in salt water. And I'll tell you why, how that's done or why it's done. In the Bahamas, for instance, the boats go out for weeks at a time. They have to boil in oh, salt right. water because they're not going to lug around thousands of gallons of fresh water. It costs too much to do it. So they'll start out with fresh, but little by slowly, they end up with salt water from the ocean. They boil that. And they boil it on the boat. So they're too salty and gamey tasting for me or for Joe's. Where do those end up? The ones that come, those are, those are being fished in the Bahamas? Uh, they end up all over the United States too. They import them. Um, they end up, some of them locally. Um, we don't like those. I don't. I, I, I like the ones that we control from the Florida waters better. There are a couple of fisheries in the Bahamas that do it the way we do it, and they do it, and they they really, you know, they do a great job. It's just more expensive. How this, far this out into the water of, do you need to go? That just depends. You know, if that's a fisherman's mystery, they know where the crabs are, so they they jot them down in their little notes. They they know from GPS where to put their traps. They have their special places. Um, the, the fishing grounds in the Bahamas is vast. It's really vast. And there's beautiful crab out there. It's just a question of how you process it. Um, in the Florida Keys, they usually, uh, let's see, I think they start out going into deep water or they go in shallow water first and then they go to deep water towards the end of the season. They shift and they move around like crabs. <laughs> it, 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 remind, it reminds me, hearing the story of uh, there's this uh, this family that owns a place called Hatcher Mango Hill up in Loxahatchee and they will like all the mangoes they will only sell mangoes that they pull off the tree they won't sell any that that have fallen because once they start to ripen around the seed it gets a little bruised and it's like they're still delicious but they're just like we just won't they'll make chutneys and stuff out of that and sell it they're like we just won't we refuse to sell any but the ones that we have the way that we have them this is the way that we want it done so it seems like a I, I, I respect that a lot. Steven, so who's going to take over Joe's when you're like, you're done toiling in that kitchen? 
Who's like, are your kids, are your grandkids interested? My daughter's nine, Julia. Um, you were already in the wow. kitchen working at nine. Get her in there. Yeah, you, you, she's, she's slacking. Been in the she kitchen. is she's, slacking. She, she's been in. I mean, she started when she was eight. She honestly did. She was bagging bread for the holidays. And um, it's a family thing. I got the bag with her. Um, I want to do the same thing with her that my parents did with me. I'm not, there's no prerequisite. She doesn't have to work here. Uh, if she wants to go off to, you know, law school, med school, fine. Uh, if she wants to be an artist, that's fine with me. Just do what you love to do. Uh, her life to me is more important than who's going to back me up like that. You know, Amen. I want her to be happy. Amen. Amen. That's the way to do it. I remember my dad who was, uh, I mean, in this country, he was a million things, but mo the last thing he was was a jeweler for about 23 years, a little mom-and-pop jewelry store. And uh, he had, had floated like, hey, if you're interested in this business, you know, but but really what he wanted me to do is go get a degree where I could get a job working in air conditioning. That's what he wanted. <laughs> you're hired because, well, we have a wonderful AC uh, company, but that is a big thing. You do really yeah. well with that. Well, not in the industry of air conditioning, which is also very lucrative, but just that my job would be air conditioned. That tells you. You want to hit the inside. You're, I'm talking about the oh. mentality of a Cuban farmer, Steve. Like, like, yeah. like was like, my baby's not going to sweat. If you get to work, it's, I mean, the guy was born in 1927, like probably like 40 years before air conditioning became commercialized. So like, wow. he was like, air conditioning is important. <laughs> you live in Florida. I want you to be in it. Uh, Steven, so listen, you have been so gracious with your time, but we can't let you go until you play our game. We, uh -oh. we you, you have to play our version of Kiss, Mary Kill. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, you, which is we do that with food. So we give you three items uh, that you, one, you, ha you either have to kiss, meaning you have a short, hot fling with it, uh, <laughs> a Mary, one that you love so much, it's got to be part of your life, and one that you got to kill, one that you got to get rid of. So uh, we're going to hit you with the three, the three Miami, uh, most popular. Okay. So let's say, uh, a, a cafecito, Cuban coffee, uh, I would, okay. a pastelito and a croqueta. Okay. Which do you kiss, Mary kill? Okay. Wow. I, do I have to pick all one, one for each one, one for each one category, for each one, one for each one. Okay, so you got a cafecito I would probably kiss. Mm -hmm. I, I would marry a pastelito, so I have to kill the croqueta? <clears throat> yeah, yep. so. that's oh, the only option. It's a, bad, okay. it's a bad game. It's a bad game. Yeah, it's, a tough, <laughs> it's a tough one. I know. Do you love, like what do you love all. about pastelitos? What are your favorite kind? Well, let me put it – because. I love about pastelitos is because that basically food like that got me to the keto diet. Eventually <laughs> I had to go on the keto diet. Okay. Um, I, I love, uh, Vicky bakery. You know, I've been there stood in line. I love the experience of that. And a lot of the employees that work here bring in pastelitos. They bring in the Cuban bread on Saturday and Sunday mornings, which I love. But I can't eat that right now, and I'm I'm craving it, but can't do it. And a cafecito, how do you say no to a cafecito? No, we make you can't. we make them in the kitchen here. You just can't say no. Mm -hmm. So I would say the you know the croqueta, and I have a friend who works at City National Bank who 
loves croquetas. And we don't, we don't have them on the menu, but I make them for him when he comes here. Oh, what, what do you put in them? What do you put in the croquetas? Are they like the crab, seafood? Crab, crab croquetas. Cro- croquetas. Oh, Stone yeah. crab croquetas, Stephen? Exactamente. No, no, oh you're God. sitting on a you're sitting on a gold mine. You don't even know it. That's amazing. I would eat a hundred of those. I would I would try one at least. Okay. Steven, you have been so gracious with your time, man. And we really appreciate you talking Stone Crab with us and uh and really for keeping going an institution. You know, I'll uh, I'll be in with Sinatra tickets at some point this season. Uh, after the <laughs> good 15th. luck with that one. <laughs> I'll be by with some mangoes from Kendall when when the okay. season is up. Yeah, good okay, luck. Okay, your that, table's anyway. waiting. Thank All you. right. Thanks, Stephen. Bye bye. Thanks, Stephen. Oh my God. He, he, I mean, that was so it, much it, fun. Because, you know, because that guy is part of Florida history. Like, that totally. guy is a legacy totally. of, of a Florida institution, you know, a fourth generation Floridian, you know, that's a, that alone is a rarity. And it makes sense yeah. that his that his that his mom and grandma were big into buying properties around them. Like they were, like you said, playing defense. Like, oh man, all yeah, these people are Yeah, they were like, no, I'm going to keep all this. This is mine. This is my stuff. You know, we got to mm-hmm. take care of this stuff. And and if you look at that section of South Beach, it's like, it's really preserved. I mean, sure, you have you know you have like Prime One Twelve up the street, but even though that's in kind of a historic building, and you do they, you do have some historic buildings down there. So it's it's interesting that they have been a big part of. Uh, a big outspoken part of preserving a little bit of Miami culture, which is cool. Yeah. No, that place is great. And I can't wait to go after the 15th. It'll yes. Be great. I'm to give it a month at least before. Yeah. I, I probably, I'm like, not going to run. I, I'll be honest. It's been, it's been a couple of years since I've gone to Joe's. Uh, uh, I went once when I was a sports writer and it was like the dolphins were hosting like a, like an event there for sports writers. Amy, can you imagine the scene of these degenerate hungry sports writers just woofing down. I think we need to explain to we need to explain to our audience what the word lambon is, yes. <laughs> in order to to fully appreciate what was happening right there. See, sports writer, just someone yeah. who just lambon is like a Dominican suckles. word for a person who's just there to get whatever they can get. That's right. Who suckles at the teat of free at the stuff. teat of the stone crab. Yeah, yeah. All <laughs> it's right. okay. Well, I, I, I've, I, I've, I've, I would, I would be a lambona for stone crabs. I think yeah, you know. It breaks you. The stone crabs it does break, break you. you. <laughs> Amy, that feels like a show. I think you're right. And, uh, All right, and I well, am now hungry for stone crab and I'm hungry for Vicky Bakery. So I'm going to see. Well, I'm going to go eat some beef tonight. So that's very, very off brand for today's conversation. But I'm sure um, I'm going to enjoy it anyway. Where, where are you going for beef? Oh, my girlfriends are taking me to some place in Doral. Don't judge me. We're going to Doral. It's uh, one of my girlfriends ran uh, the Chicago Marathon. And so we're celebrating by stuffing her full of um, churrasco. It's called Fuegos del Sur. You know, one of those places in Doral. Who's your friend? <laughs> Give her a shout out. My friend, my friend, Lisa. She's All a right, monster. Lisa. She did great. Right. She PR'd too. Very nice. All right. You and Lisa, go eat that meat. We will. Bye. Peace out. Peace out.